Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tap Calf Transmissions. My name is Justin, joined as always by my good friend Corey. Good, good friend, I would say. Wow. After after many episodes of Tap Calf, you were saying the other day that you think that we're starting to sound similar. Well, it's just sometimes I'll listen to streams that we've done or when I'm editing the podcast, and especially at the start, if there's like short sentences that happen, then I, I can't really tell which of us is talking. Hmm, or if enough, like we're enough. yelling at Charlie at the same time in yeah. gaming streams, then we yeah. usually say the exact same thing at the same time, <laughs> so it checks out. All right, so today we're talking about a very unique Star Wars book, I, Jedi, which is sort of like a addendum to the Jedi Academy trilogy, but also with lots of other stuff uh, thrown in. How would you describe it, Corey? Uh, parts of it feel like it's Michael Stackpole saying like, and here's all the reasons you're wrong, <laughs> Kevin J. Anderson. But yeah, kind of an interesting book too, because it was released much, much later than the Jedi Academy trilogy. What year was that released? Uh, was it 96? I don't 94 know. maybe? Uh, I'm just going to check real quick. That's definitely... Yeah, 94. And this... I, Jedi was released in 98. After most of the Bantam era was finished, it was released only a few months, actually, before uh, the Thrawn duology, which... Yeah, Vector Prime as well. But also the Thrawn duology, which is basically like the unofficial end of... Well, the official end, really, of the Bantam era. So it's got lots of um, kind of other plot threads throughout or, like, references to other stuff that they just couldn't, like, fit into the Bantam... uh, Or, sorry, to the Jedi Academy trilogy. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and it's kind Um, of uh, something that happens again in NJO where it's Michael Stackpole just referencing mm. a lot of stuff that uh, Kevin J. Anderson did in the Jedi (laughs) Academy trilogy. Mm-hmm. where uh, when we get to Dark Tide, then mm-hmm. it's pretty much just the same characters from the Jedi Academy trilogy, the same planets, all doing different stuff by Michael Stackpole again. So. Yeah. Which is fun, because I think he makes very, like, cozy books in a way. <laughs> like, they're very... Why, they're, why, do you like always, the, why is it always cozy with you? I don't know. You just keep going back it's like, to cozy. It is, like... I'm, it's it's kind of like they're fun books, but I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because usually before we get into the actual book discussion, we do like to do a brief checkup. We like to say our hellos, talk about you know anything that's going on. So is there anything you want to uh, plug or anything you're excited for or just anything exciting that you want to talk about before we get started? Uh, not particularly. We do have a new release of Thrawn's Revenge coming out on Monday. That's the Empire at War mod that I run. Uh, and we've got a bunch of reworks coming out in that. So if you play Empire at War and you want to check that out, uh, that'll be coming out uh, May 4th, Star Wars Day. Do you have any big Star Wars Day plans, Eck? No, I know that's when the finale of Clone Wars is coming that's out, true. so I'm excited for that. They said they're having like this weird online Star Wars celebration as well, which kind of made me wonder, like... Is there going to be an actual Star Wars celebration? I'm kind of feeling like even if there is, I might just not go. No, there's definitely... There's no way. Like, Yeah. This yeah. This is something that seems to come up a lot with people who are just clinging to hope. It's not It's not happening. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. way. I've, I've been accepting that since, like, March. But there are, there are... Yeah, right. There are some people who are very, very, like... 
kind of in denial about the fact that like nobody even even if there was like almost no possibility of there being a covid spread people are just too on edge i think to want to get together like that well you have and to kind of there, there is conventions a while in advance and mm. that it was what like only three months out now that would have been yeah well it's three months out from now yeah from may because it was mid-august so i think it was mid-august sometime in august so yeah we're getting about three months away yeah Shit's still gonna be on fire by then, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Especially but I was kind of states... because I think it was gonna be my first Star Wars celebration. So. Well, next year can be um, your first Star Wars celebration. Yeah. And since we're the only Star Wars podcast in existence, then we'll probably yes. be invited uh, to do a panel Absolutely. as long as we don't spend all episode talking about the various things that Cornhorn wants to have sex with, which we are going to do. <laughs> there, it's unavoidable. Yeah. Um, I I tweeted about being the only Star Wars podcast. I guaranteed somebody somebody took that, and I was like a legitimately a little pissed. <laughs> well, who would be pissed about that? Because there's no other Star Wars podcast to be annoyed. That's about. true. That's true. Wannabe Star Wars podcast. I guess that's that's but, true. But uh, but besides that, the also new Clone Wars episode tonight, which I'm very excited for. Um. And I'm also running a fundraiser, which I will take a second to plug. I'm running a fundraiser for victims of the shooting in Nova Scotia. Um, so if you guys want to donate to that, you can feel free. It's been a really dark like month in this province. Besides for the COVID thing, we had this shooting. And then did you hear about the helicopter crash today? Yeah. And that was like stationed out of Shearwater in Dartmouth. Hmm. So uh, very, very dark times. But let's move on to something a little bit more... Uh, a little bit less dark, but before we do, do we, I don't know if we even officially decided uh, what we want to do next. I suggested maybe the classic Han Solo adventures would be an interesting break. Um, yeah, from we the talked about stuff. we talked about that. We talked about uh, I started revenge. Do you want to just call it now for the Han Solo adventures? Yes. So to be clear, well, to be clear for people, there's the Han Solo adventures, then there's the AC Crispin ones. I think we're gonna do. The Brian Daly ones from the seventies yeah. first, right? Yeah. So Han Solo at Star's End will be the f- book we read um, next week, or sorry, the week after next next episode. Um, and that should be a fun read. It's pretty short, I think. But and you did mention kind of putting them together, but I I've been thinking since like they're so unique. I think we should probably try to uh, probably try to you know not enjoy them and uh, not, not try enjoy to push them through them. No, we should try. We should try to. I just feel like if we were putting them all in one episode, we might risk kind of. Okay, so you want to uh, do uh, three, three episodes, individual yeah. episodes. So would we be yeah. doing that still every other week, or would you want to try to compress that a bit more? We could probably. So I'll have to see how my schedule works out, and I'm sure you will too. But we can probably just do one weekly because uh, yeah. they're only they're all less than 200 pages, I believe, except for maybe the first one. Um, so they're very very readable. Yeah. Um, we were also mentioning, I think now is an interesting time to bring this up. We've been talking about taking the podcast weekly, um, and on off weeks, I guess. So we'll probably continue the bi-weekly book series. And then on off weeks, maybe we'll do a discussion of whatever's out that week. So whether it's a Clone Wars episode, probably not because we've only got two left, whether it's a Clone Wars episode or the Mandalorian or maybe a movie rewatch or something, um, it could just be fun to kind of 
get some different content in there. Yeah, there was uh, actually an email that we got from Austin asking us about some of our thoughts from the Clone Wars episode. So we probably won't answer that email mm-hmm. directly now, but we'll probably end up doing some sort of like Clone Wars recap episode or maybe a Mandalorian yeah. rewatch. There's a lot of uh, different media yeah. like that that we can put in. And there was another email about doing potentially like an episode talking about Knights of the Old Republic. And yeah. so any kind of like game recaps or uh, other media discussions uh, mm-hmm. would probably fit into those every other week. Uh, kind of mixed in with the book discussions uh, right yeah so that the I, I was thinking about that I guess there's a chance if we do 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 if we do do a Clone Wars recap that might interfere with one of the Han Solo books because yeah so like there might be a break between this first one and the second one maybe but we'll see um, I'm or sure we'll, alternatively because we'll it is ending on Tuesday we could do uh, Clone Wars next week and then oh, week after yeah. that, then we're keeping the two weeks for the right. start of it. Gives us a bit more time. And Yep. We really should be prepared because that's a good idea. So as of now, we'll say next Thursday, or I guess it doesn't even really need to be Thursday. Um, sometime yeah, Thursday. next week. Let's just say Thursday. The podcast okay, we'll say Thursday. Thursday. Don't, don't ruin the okay. branding. You should know this. Come on. Okay. Um, Doesn't everyone sometime... call them Top Calf Thursdays? Like... They do have Tap Calf Thursdays down at the local bar in celebration of my podcast. So, <laughs> oh, your podcast. Spread. Thanks for I said thanks our, for I said no, our you, podcast. You said you definitely said my podcast. I said my local bar in celebration of our podcast. We usually chat, don't. Yeah, up? the chat. This is important. <laughs> he said my. Anyway, despite Corey being wrong or maybe right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good with memory, so you were probably right. But uh. But yeah, so so we'll we'll try to keep it to Thursday. Next week we'll do a Clone Wars recap. Then we'll move on to um, Star's End, and then we'll see where it goes from there. I guess. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, All right. So thanks, thanks for watching, everyone. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, we make the same lame jokes. Even <laughs> we we definitely need a third host. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which we could definitely do if we started doing these shorter. Because, like, we were talking about this kind of when we were streaming the other day. It's going to be hard for us to, like, get a host midway through, like, NJO, for example. Just yeah. Like, <laughs> All right. What was going on in this war? Can you get me up to speed? <laughs> I mean, spooky aliens who doesn't afraid of anything attacks the galaxy. Really, Alex is our own. Star Wars Explained is our only option <laughs> for a guest throughout the entire NJO, which will take a year and a half to finish. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so let's move on and talk about I, Jedi. Um, we mentioned this book is really unique because it's really... <laughs> it's kind of funny. I remember I, I dated a girl in high school who was really into the Twilight series, as like a lot of okay. girls were. Um, and after Twilight came out, and I believe Twilight started off as Harry Potter fan fiction, which is pretty epic... But, um, no, it's Fifty Twilight... Shades that started off as Twilight. Oh, that's fiction. Fifty Shades. Oh, okay, shit, my bad. I don't think Twilight started as Harry Potter fan fiction. That, that maybe, maybe it did, but I, I'm pretty sure it was just Fifty Shades. As you're probably, you're probably fiction. right. You're probably right. Um, I haven't been anyway. on the Twilight fan forums for a while, but <laughs> see, I only liked the pictures there, so I didn't. <laughs> anyway, um, so after the whole Twilight series came out. Because the, they were books first. I think there's four books, right? 
Uh, new Moon, Eclipse. Uh, I think Twilight. Shut, shut up, Corey. Twilight, New Moon, Twilight, Eclipse, and Twilight, Red Dawn. I don't know. I think I made up the Red last. Red Dawn. It's <laughs> <laughs> a much different book. But anyway, my point is after the books came out, the author was going to write a new series from the perspective, instead of the girl, from the perspective of... Uh, um, not Jacob, the other, the uh, the vampire, Edward. Um, Edward, yeah, from the perspective of Edward. <laughs> See, now it just sounds like what... I knows a lot. I, I know, <laughs> I know a lot about Twilight, eyes but I, of... I was just thinking that I don't know the name of the other one. So yeah, the, that's why we work well together. But basically, th- that would have been the I Jedi of the Twilight series. Is my whole point because it's the same story from a different perspective. <laughs> what a pointless tangent to go on. Well, it wasn't supposed to be that long, but you've had to fucking chime in six or seven times with your Twilight EU knowledge. But you're you're trying like, to give context for for I Jedi using Twilight. This this was just horrible. I just wanted to brag about having a girlfriend in high school. Because <laughs> okay, well, still pretty proud of that. <laughs> Well, we usually get at least one story about one of your ex-girlfriends every episode. So Listen, we're... you were the one who said Twilight Red Dawn, so... <laughs> and I thought that was a fantastic joke, and I'm going to maintain it that it was a joke. Uh, it was. But yeah, so so this is an interesting story, because it starts off a little bit before uh, the Jedi Academy trilogy, which I completely forgot <laughs> for the first ten pages when I was reading it. There's a part where Han Solo comes in. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to Kessel. And I was like, oh, please don't. Oh, you were just there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, a lot of it takes place concurrently with the Jedi Academy books, which, of course, are a trilogy. And then I'd say about like halfway through I, Jedi, it moves on to a story that takes place afterwards. Um, but it really doesn't hold your hand because like if you haven't read uh, the Jedi Academy trilogy, there's really, I'd say, a decent amount in this book that you'll be like, huh? Like yeah, Kip Duran, for example, is introduced really without any context. They mention the Sun Crusher a whole a whole lot. Um, Dala, for example, is name dropped. So I think we I think we uh, chose well by reading it when we did. Yeah, and I, I think uh, it does something that I I really enjoyed for it. I don't know if I'd enjoy it if it was in like every book, but there's there's a very clear sense that there is stuff going on outside mm. of what the book is about. And mm-hmm. the fact that it's first person really does help with that. But, like, yep. you get Kip, Mara, uh, a lot of people that just, like, come in, they're doing their own thing, they're tangentially yep. interacting with Corin, and then they just mm-hmm. go off and go back to whatever they're doing while Corin is focusing on his aspects of it. And I I really like that element. I wouldn't mind yeah, seeing like Lando's Lando's in the story, but he's, like, he like he's, he, he's in there, but, like, he doesn't do anything. Like, he's just kind of, it's just, like, you're in for a slice of Lando's life here. Yeah. And yeah, the whole kind of uh, the, the whole thing about this book is it is written in first person. So just in case you guys don't know what that means, basically, instead of saying Corin ogled the teenage um, alien, it would say I ogled the teenage <laughs> alien. Uh, and there, there's a there's a fair bit of similar things, but Corin doesn't explicitly do that. Does he? Well, he comments on the boobs of a teenage Kamasi. Oh, yeah. which, which right. made me really I, yeah. uncomfortable because he was like, 
Oh, looks like she just entered puberty based on her small boobs. And I was like, Corin, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, is that Reliki? It's Reliki's daughter, yeah. Or, no. Oh, yeah, or, it would be Reliki, yeah. Because I couldn't be, remember I think, if Loki right? was Elagos's daughter or niece. Because no, I always get it confused yeah. with, like, uh, Elenic is Elagos's uh, uncle. Father, or uh, uncle, so but, I'd yeah, I'm that. pretty sure but she's I think his daughter. daughter. Yeah. So. I, f- I completely forgot about that. Huh. How about that? Um, yeah. Uh, so do you want to kind of bring us, you want to bring us in with how this book opens? Right. So, uh, like you're saying, there's, there's three kind of main sections here. There's a little bit before Jedi Academy. Then we kind of get Jedi mm-hmm. Academy from Corin's perspective. And then we get, mm-hmm. uh, the rest of like Corin's Corsac investigation. But the way, uh, the book is set up is Corin is with Rogue Squadron. He's one of the Rogue Squadron pilots. Uh, they're looking mm-hmm. for Invidious, which is a ship that belongs to a kind of rogue moth, Leonia Tavira, who's caused mm-hmm. a bunch of trouble uh, and very difficult to track. Uh, yep. And he ends up going home to uh, to his apartment, I guess, with his wife Mirax. Thinks that she's just off on a mission. Then he wakes up and he's having trouble remembering her uh mm. she's been abducted in some way so corn is yeah. trying to find help to find what happened to mirax yeah because she was supposed to be off on a run so mirax who's first introduced in the uh x-wing novels basically before joining rogue squadron and corn is the main character and most of the rogues well the the first four x-wing novels he's really the main character uh, he was what was called a Corsac officer, and that's basically like a, a Corellian police officer. Um, and while on Corellian, while working for Corsac, he witnesses his father die. There's lots of drama there. But he also hunted, you know, pirates and gang members and stuff. And one of them was a man named Booster Tarek, another very famous Star Wars Legends character. Very famous. I get questions about him from my parents all the time. Almost as famous as Darth Vader. Um, yeah, on my birthday, I just hear from my dad, like, what's Booster up to? And it's like, Daddy, <laughs> he's a fictional character. <laughs> but Corrin's dad um, arrested Booster and sent him to Kessel for, I think, half a decade. So, and Mirax, of course, is Booster's daughter. So it's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet um, situation with rival families and whatnot. Um, Corrin, who, again, is the, the main character in this, his dad is dead now. He's been forced to, you know, f- he ran off to Rogue Squadron for a bit. And in this story, he's kind of discovering his Jedi ancestry, which we get a bit of as well in the Rogue Squadron books. Yeah, so he's um, known for a while that uh, his grandfather was a Jedi, and he was kind of raised by the... Uh, step-grandfather. Yeah. Like ra- grandfather's buddy. Yeah. So Sorry. this is pretty much him trying to figure out what elements of his past he can use or of his heritage he should be using to find Mirax and kind of discovering. Mm-hmm. It's a journey of self-discovery through uh, his Jedi heritage, which is what sort of the first half of the book is about when he's at Luke's Jedi Academy and trying to figure mm-hmm. out how much of his Corsac training he can apply there and trying to figure out, like, how does he relate to the Force? And then he leaves the Academy and he ends up going like kind of rejecting everything that he learned at the academy 
and going full Corsac. Uh, but then he mm-hmm. starts uh, kind of figuring out that he isn't just uh, Cornhorn, Corsac investigator, or Kieran Halcyon, which is the name he went by when he was at uh, at the Jedi Academy, kind of named after his grandfather. Mm-hmm. And he kind of starts melding all that together to figure out who he is. And only then can he find his wife. It is kind of interesting because most stories where characters, you know, where they discover a Jedi lineage, or even if it's another story where they're discovering some mythical lineage, like a Harry Potter or whatever, um, usually they just embrace it fully. But even by the end of this, Corrin never fully embraces his role as solely a Jedi. Um, I'd say towards the end, he, he is basically a Jedi with kind of his own um, streak to it, but he doesn't like... Like, you you might expect him to decide at the very end to go back and train with Luke at the Jedi Praxium or go do whatever else. But really, he's like, no, I'm just going to continue kind of to do my own thing and to help out wherever I can. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you guys have to remember is that this book was written before The Phantom Menace even came out. So the idea of what a Jedi was was much, much different. And in this story especially, but also in the X-Wing novels, we learn about Corellian Jedi and their different sects of Jedi and... Corellian Jedi, for example, they typically didn't really leave the Corellian system very much. Um, Corrin's grandfather, for example, worked really closely with um, Corrin. Sorry, Corrin's biological grandfather, the Jedi, worked very closely with Corrin's step grandfather, who was a Corsac agent. Um, so definitely much different than what we end up seeing in the prequels. Um, and and yeah, I guess that's something you kind of got to keep into keep in your mind when you read this yeah something that uh, a lot of the bantamera books and even a bit into del rey uh what they usually did with the jedi is kind of just talk about how uh it was like all the records were destroyed by the empire and it's all shrouded in mystery Mm -hmm. and everything because like literally no one knew (laughs) because the prequels hadn't come out yet uh even njo which was coming out alongside uh, the prequels, like episode one, came out around the same time that the first NJO books come out, and by the time uh, Attack of the Clones came out, the series was just finishing, uh, and none of the authors uh, knew what was going on there. So there was a lot of like the Jedi trying to figure out what the old Jedi Order was, because the authors were still trying to figure out what the old Jedi Order was. Right, because you asked Troy Denning about I did. that, right, on Twitter. I, what did he say? He basically uh, asked what he knew about was it Revenge of the Sith. Uh, yeah, so I was asking, because I'm doing my own just reread of NJO while uh, isolating, and there's a lot of stuff that kind of parallels with uh, some of the Jedi's role in the Clone Wars, so I was wondering, since they were coming out around the same time, if this was something that the authors had planned, or if it was just kind of a coincidence, and so I tweeted at Troy Denning, who is an author... Uh, who wrote one of the books in NJO, Star by Star, as well as a lot of the books that take place after the New Jedi Order, Yuzan Vong War. Mm. And what he said was that he's 100% confident that at the time, uh, the only information that he at least had, uh, and presumably the other authors, was what was publicly available. So anything Mm. that they were planning was just based on uh, Phantom Menace at that point. Yeah, I I believe that too, because after the prequels did fully release you get like the swarm war and they very heavily address stuff like that like there was no other book that talked about luke's mother well there was that we do get some stuff about that later on but luke's real mother is only really mentioned in 
in the the swarm war and beyond and it's like at, when they had that book um that's like okay all this shit's finally been unlocked and there's like a whole plot about luke literally uh i think that's swarm war right when luke literally unlocks the holograms and stuff yeah in r2d2 um so so yeah so so this is even more dramatic than that because not only was there no episode two or episode three but we haven't even seen anything of the prequel era jedi um and we like we see stuff like the the timeline is still very messed up like corn is it's corn's said to be born after the clone wars which doesn't make sense um for his age i don't think it makes yeah cause no it doesn't because yeah he's a few years older than luke yeah the the version of the clone wars and then the jedi purge is very spread mm-hmm. out at this point uh because they mention how like the timeline doesn't match up for Korn, his dad, and his grandfather, right? And it doesn't match up for the Gensari, which uh, it was like Korin's dad was killed in the fight with the Gensari or with uh, Nico Tiris, who you mean his grandfather? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Nija Halcyon was killed while killing Nico Tiris, uh, at which point. The leader of the Gensari in this book was pregnant with his son, and mm, yeah. that was supposed to be at like after the Clone Wars, I think is how they describe it. But mm. uh, she also mentions that uh, by that point, by the time that everyone was getting purged, uh, her son had been like ten years old or something. So mm-hmm. it basically sets everything back at least a decade or two, and spreads right. it out more. Right, because I think it was. I think the book has Corrin's dad is very young when his grandfather's killed, which yeah. doesn't make sense, obviously. Which is supposed to be after Endor, uh, which means that he's at most like yeah. ten years old, or he's basically having yeah. Corrin when he's born. Corrin's birthday makes more sense to be when uh, his dad's birthday ends up being. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and I mean, yeah, because it's 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 a bit messed up with like. The age of like it's always been a bit messed up, so yeah. it, it doesn't really bother me. It's just the way it is. Even even you know, there's no way Obi Wan and Aunt Beru age that much in 18 years. <laughs> do you see? Do you see Aunt Beru in Episode Three? Come on, man. <laughs> but <laughs> so it starts off as we said with um, Corin. Um, <laughs> Corin's missing his missing his girl. She's supposed to be off on a mission because she's a smuggler. Um, and there's this big plot about Mirax is really hounding him to have some kids. Yeah. Like, really, really, like, on him to have some kids. He keeps kind of pushing it off. He's not sure um, at the beginning anyway. Uh, but then she doesn't come back. And he feels kind of guilty because he was like, okay, well, I won't... Um... If she'd been pregnant, she never would have been kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, well, he, well, basically, he's like, okay, once this deal with the pirate the uh, invids is over because he's also hunting the invids as part of rogue squadron once that's been taken care of then we'll make a decision on the child so he feels like she's who and she's working for the new republic government as well kind of undercover he feels like it's like it's his fault that she's kind of been putting herself out there um and we have him going to uh he goes and sees Tycho and others within the republic government basically trying to get information about where she was and no one's really able to to share that but crucially before uh before he goes to talk to 
uh, to Tycho or to Wedge, uh, we get a little bit more about the child debate with him and Mirax, and a key figure really plays into this. Uh, MVP of the X-Wing books, Oral, his wingmate, <laughs> uh, a gond. Yeah. Who's basically, if you've watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it just kind of reads like... Uh, <laughs> If what's his name? If Corin uh, is Jake Peralta and Mirax is Amy, then <laughs> Oral is basically just Charles trying to make them. <laughs> we need more little Corins in the world. So like, except Charles, but like, if Charles was like smashing on the regular, because Oral's smooth. Like Oral's like, like Oral hooked them up basically. Yeah. And so did Charles. I, see, I'm not as familiar with the uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine expanded universe. So, well, on my other podcast, it's all we talk about. <laughs> Brooklyn Nine Nine minute each episode dedicated to a minute of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, it, the original Star Wars Explained channel and I just got into a lot of heat <laughs> over that. <laughs> but it's kind of funny how uh, how Corin goes to see. Uh, Tycho and he talks about this connection he feels with Mirax and he's like do you feel that with Winter and Tycho's like well I feel something when we're together but not like that you want to know why? Fucking Akbar. It's because Akbar is her true love. Akbar is the one laying like laying the eggs like big time. And this is something that we're going to keep tracking as we do the podcast because there's there's a definite story here that people need to know. We did get a, an email uh, that mentioned this from Justin as well. And uh, something that comes up in the NJO when Akbar is dying is when Luke goes to meet them, who's together? Who's been looking yep. after Akbar in his old age? Winter. Yep. And what do we think looking after means? Looking after something. I'm th- sexual needs yeah the, the people the people need to know something fishy's <laughs> going on here <laughs> yeah you know you know it's like if akbar was in the room which he could have been you know during that whole uh taiko selku thing when taiko's like yeah i don't feel that connection you know akbar's just like pulling on his collar like <laughs> don't ask me <laughs> that's a threesome <laughs> Whereas closing his eyes, he's like, I know where she is right now. <laughs> <laughs> See, if, if this book had been different, like it originally this was pitched as, uh, like it's Tycho looking for winter, but uh, Michael Stackpole thought like most people would be like, oh, he's, she's just with Akbar. So he had to switch it to, to being about Corrin, and that's when he added all the Jedi stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we almost got a very different book. Speaking of, this is kind of tangentially related. Um, I mean, the we're foreword... already <laughs> no the the foreword for this book. Did you read it? Um, no. And like the the thanks, the the dedication. Is it maybe? Uh, no, it is the acknowledgments. Stackpole talks about how well. For one, he says thanks to Kevin J. Anderson for, for providing the background for half this book, just the background. But then he says very special thanks to Timothy Zahn, who graciously vetted all the pages that featured his characters, offered suggestions. Uh, that made parts of the novel better and worked tirelessly to meld the two new Star Wars novels with his book. The two new Star Wars novels being the Thrawn duology. Mm-hmm. So we see not only noted revisionist uh, Michael Stackpole jumping in here, but also even more noted revisionist uh, Timothy Zahn, who he this was, and if you notice, this is like the beginning of him starting to uh, 
to right the wrong of the Lando Mara love scene. Thing. Yeah. Because it establishes in this book that they're just working together, whereas um, Children of the was it? I think it's Children of the Jedi is where they're first. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah, because Corellian trilogy is when Lando is getting, uh, getting married. It's much yeah. later. Yes. But, yeah, but in the it's like in the next one, Luke calls and they're together. Aren't so, they like getting dressed or she's something? Like, yeah, yeah, basically they're they're deep under covers. But um, and you do see like some. You definitely see a lot of Timothy Zahn in this, because I think this got to be the first mention of George Cardass, right? Uh, not the fir- or I don't think it's the first mention of him, but he's because he's not, he's not actually mentioned in the Thrawn trilogy, right? And no, Outbound wait. Flight came out much later, and the Thrawn duology came out a few months. Is later, he mentioned so... in the Thrawn trilogy as like the person that Card inherited his? organization from maybe i know that's what it turned into later at least but i don't know if he was always mentioned as that let me just see i'm kind of curious now let me just check appearances outbound flight scoundrels choices of one i jedi specter of the past yes in the future no so he's not mentioned in any of the thrawn trilogy books so this would have been, I think, his his first appearance is listed as specter of the past so i think this technically would have been the first time he was mentioned. Huh. Epic. Um, Noted Thrawn best friend, George Cardass. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the OG Gilad Pelion slash Eli Vanto. Yes. Also, I, I feel like if Timothy Zahn hadn't been involved, we wouldn't have got uh, Elagos Akla. Hmm. Right? Yeah, probably not, because the whole Kamasi thing... Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that there was the Kamasi remnant in the first place. Yeah, so when we get some direct reference setup. to like, the firebombing and stuff. Yeah, definitely like to see them working together like that. Um, Which is kind of a hint of what's like... to come with NJO. Yes. Because there and really wasn't kind that of... much beforehand. No. But we do start to see a little bit of authors kind of stepping on each other's toes. Not that that's anything new, but mm-hmm. like, you know, we get that with a lot with the Thrawn duology as well and like Dark Empire and stuff. So just prepare yourselves. <laughs> um, but I guess the first real third or even the first half of this book is really... Uh, so Corrin decides that he needs to track Mirax down and the best way to do this is to spend like 10 weeks at Luke's Jedi Praxium, uh, which Luke is also just founding. Um, I, I feel like... Corrin takes a very like lackadaisical like approach to tracking his wife down. <laughs> well, he goes into there's two meetings that he kind of barges in on. The first is uh, with Tycho and Aaron Kraken, and Kraken kind of knows something about where the uh, where Mirax is, mm-hmm. uh, or at least where Tavira is, and just won't tell him. Uh, so yeah. then Corrin decides I'm gonna go to like the the ruling council, the chief of state, to try to get approval for me to find out this information. And he barges in on a, a meeting between Wedge and Han, as Han's about to like head off to his Kessel adventures from Jedi Academy, um, mm-hmm. which you alluded to earlier. But mm-hmm. uh, everyone's like, no, we're, come on, come on. <laughs> so he eventually just decides, okay, I'm going to go undercover at Luke's Jedi Academy, learn about the Force, and then maybe I can find her. 
Yeah, because he, he kind of wants to focus on this brief link. Uh, I guess he wants because because right before she kind of goes MIA, she kind of puts out like a, a call for help, kind of. Um, and yeah, he, he feels like he can maybe use that connection to really track her down. Yeah, and um, Luke, when he's talking to Luke initially before they head off to the academy, uh, Luke does his little knock on your mind thing to see what happens, <laughs> and he he describes it as like a wound in the force almost, or a, a psychic oh, wound yeah. for him, but it, um, it kind of feels to me like the whole wound in the force thing from KOTOR 2 on a smaller scale. I just want to say, Luke doesn't give a fuck about whether he finds Murex or not at this point. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's like like wedge or somebody suggests it, and Luke's like, yeah, yeah, come to the uh, come to the academy. Luke uh, in this book is just terrible at literally <laughs> yeah. everything. Luke's described like the way Luke is portrayed is honestly like the kid at school who like thinks he's good at like soccer or something. So everyone just like it's like, yeah, man, you're great at it. <laughs> It's just like a real, just a real uh, weight on you, and it's just, just not good. He's like a more positive version of the. There's no difference between good things and bad. You imbecile! You absolute fucking moron! Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they're yeah, so they go to the Jedi Academy and Xarku. We just talked about this for three months, so we won't probably get too deep into it. But like, yeah. Xarku is messing everything up, and Corn's like, uh, "Do you think we should do something about that?" It's like. What do you mean? Do something about what? <laughs> yeah, because Luke... Okay, so first of all, Luke doesn't realize that Exarchon is doing anything. Yeah. He's like... He's like... He's just... He's just a little mad. <laughs> like, he's just really advancing the Force and not having a great time. And uh, Corrin's like... Uh, like, I don't know. <laughs> and then uh, later, Gantoris literally explodes. And... Um, Luke's like, watch out for the dark side. He was probably just really mad when he exploded. <laughs> Corrin's like, people probably shouldn't be exploding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a lot of, there's like three or four conversations that uh, Corrin has with Luke where he's just like walking Luke through the most basic. I know. Just logic like, well... Where do you learn to get a lightsaber? Like you and Cam have lightsabers. Like no, you know <laughs> yes, where those we came. brought them. <laughs> so did you teach him how to make a lightsaber? No. Did I teach him how to t- make a lightsaber? No. Where do you get a lightsaber? <laughs> he has a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> no, look. Something horrible is going on. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, Luke was pretty terrible about it all in the Jedi Academy trilogy, but this just takes it to the whole. A whole nother level. It's like, <laughs> after, like, uh, Gantoris fights Luke, Luke's just like, he sure is angry. And Kip's <laughs> like, should hey, we check on him? <laughs> hey, make sure he gets that lightsaber back. <laughs> and the other thing about Luke, too, is, he, so he's got all these students at the academy. Uh, he focuses on one person at any given time. Um, like, when, Kip, when Gantoris is there, basically Kip talks about how, like, Luke is just teaching Gantoris one-on-one and then Cam Solisar is basically teaching everyone else. Same thing when Mara shows up. Same thing when Kip shows up. Yeah. So it's like, not only is Luke a shitty teacher, but like, it's, it's like... He's playing favorites and they always explode. Yeah. Um, we also see Brackus in, which is, I completely forgot that he mm-hmm. was uh, in this book. That was kind of a nice surprise. So Brackus ends up being this, uh, he goes to the dark side as well. 
Uh, and you get some hints at that in in this, but he's kind of like the big bad in the uh, Young Jedi Shadow. Knights yeah. trilogy, or a subsection of the Young Jedi Knights stuff. Yeah. Where he's running a thing called the Shadow Academy. Shadow Academy. Where yeah. in the space of like six months, he trains up about three trillion Dark Jedi is what it seemed like. <laughs> yeah, and kidnaps like Jaina and Jason, Jason and shit. Uh, fun books. I'm excited to read those. Um, but yeah, so he was already... I forget, is Cam Sullysar one of the Jedi in the Jedi Academy trilogy? In the what? Is he in the Jedi Academy trilogy? Because there's three Jedi, right, who aren't mentioned. One is Kieran or Corrin, and then the other is Brachus. Is it Cam uh, Sully? I believe Cam is mentioned because he's always helping Luke run it, and it was kind of like one of the Dark Empire tie-ins. So I right. think he was Oh, mentioned. yeah. Um, i trying to remember. It's like him, Karanati, Dorskady, One, Gantoris, Tion. Mm-hmm were all mentioned. I'm trying to remember who's the other one. I'm just I'm just looking up now. Um, Kyle. Oh, there was Streen. Who? Oh, Matarin. Who is that again? He's the one with like the the hammerhead sort of, or not hammerhead, but he's got a giant fin on his head. Right. So I guess he would have been the other one that wasn't name dropped besides Kyle Katarn, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because Kyle Katarn, he is part of the first class, technically. I think so. He's in around this time. I think he's technically part of it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Kind of weird, because a lot of people are kind of coming and going. Yeah. Luke doesn't notice, except for... Like, Gantoris is there for... I mean, they're probably only there for, what, a month or two that this section of the book takes place over. Gantoris explodes they're, pretty quickly. Kip is there, there for, for ten weeks. weeks. About, I would guess. Well, the 10 weeks between... They say it's 10 weeks between Mirax getting captured and when uh, he's on the errant venture. So mm. probably like eight weeks, like two months, I would say. Yeah, so... Um, uh, and a good part of that is like after Kip is gone. So like Mara gets there, she gets her fighter stolen, she's not happy. She leaves, but she mm-hmm. also comes back. Because there's like... There's two main events in XR Coon's attack where... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just remember the XR Coom joke. XR Coom? <laughs> I listened to the audiobook for this one. It was the same guy. There's a lot less it was mentioning of, of it. It was, it was the same guy, the same narrator um, for this audiobook, for the I Jedi audiobook, which is still somehow three and a half hours long and actually not a bad abridgment at all. Um, and uh, yeah, it's so for those who don't know, if you listen to the audiobooks, which were made in the 90s, you'll hear lots of interesting stuff. And when he says, Exarcoon. He says, Exarcoon? <laughs> Very long and proud you. <laughs> and if you listen to one of the books later done by the same guy, he says Exarcoon like we do, uh, but he just sounds really dejected while he's doing it because he, he, got, he got talked to. Uh, Exarcoon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's, there's two main attacks that happen on, uh, or I guess sort of three that happen on Luke because uh, Kip is under Exarkun's influence Exarkun's influence mm-hmm. when uh when Gantoris dies because there there always needs to be two. Uh yeah. and he kind of blasts Corin out of the way and Luke's like, yeah. "What did you say to him to provoke this?" Like, "Yeah. Why are you focused? <laughs> Come on, man." And then so Kip leaves, comes back and just blast Luke out into oblivion. <laughs> it's like, what did you say to provoke this, Luke? Uh, 
Yeah, I just have Braddy Luke as an as a note. Um, did you like the extra? Because there's a lot more. Somehow, despite this being one book, like they managed to fit a lot more like training and stuff like mm-hmm. in there. I guess it's because all of the kind of non-essential stuff that's most of the Jedi Academy trilogy is cut out, mm-hmm. um, and I think that really really helps because we get a lot more actual training. Um, and one thing I didn't realize, I forgot that Corrin, he can with a mighty effort, because Corrin's whole thing is he can't really do telekinesis. And I thought he couldn't do telekinesis at all, but in in one occasion in this book, he opens a latch on somebody's luggage. Um, but what he can do also is he can kind of absorb energy mm-hmm. and then use telekine- telekinesis then. And I, I don't know, I completely forgot that. Yeah, he does that in NJO as well, where he like he gets Ganner Iso to like cut his arm so he can just fucking blast mm. something. Uh, <laughs> I'm a blast you, son. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, so when they're saved, so Luke brings him out on like a midnight stroll to uh, to a hot spring. Oh, when they and they're all floating in it, and Luke is like saying, "Open your minds." <laughs> yeah, uh, he's telling them to just that they're separate them from themselves they're all part of the universe and they get this really trippy vision what was that oh luke almost gets the whole class killed yeah. as well. yeah so that's what i'm gonna <laughs> say like pretty much everyone just uh corin and gantoris get this sense of danger most of the students are able to get out of the way but tion who has like basically no force abilities and i think door skate one sucks has, uh he's in trouble so gantoris saves door skate one <laughs> Corin like almost dies trying to save Tion, and yeah. Luke's just like, "Oh well, that was fun, guys." <laughs> Luke's, Luke's like standing on the ledge, just nuts out. Everyone's like, "Luke, can you put a goddamn towel on, please? <laughs> <laughs> do we really need to do this?" <laughs> like, but no, yeah, because that is a because he does save her with telekinesis. There doesn't he pull her out of the water? Yeah, um, I think he was. Whereas he absorbed the he- the heat. And that's how he was able to do it. Otherwise, he would have died, too, if he didn't have that power. Yeah. So Luke is just trying to, like, crispy fry all of his students. Mm-hmm. I forget whose perspective we get in um, Jedi Academy Trilogy, because we get the same scene there, but and whoever it is just kind of absorbs the energy. can't remember whose perspective we get, though. Um, hmm. I remember. It might have just been Luke's, actually. I think it was probably just Luke's. Yeah. Luke's yeah, like, I got mine, I'm fine. And everyone else was just fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Luke sucks, though. He's... he's tr- no, he's not really trying. I was going to say he's trying, but he's not really trying. Yeah, I have I have one note here uh, from the duel with Gantoris, which is, like, soon after that scene, and then he dies the next day. But... Mm. Uh, so Corin, uh, yeah, this is actually this is the day after uh, the, the tide pool event because Corin was like kind of wiped out. He gets up yeah. late, and uh, there's actually a, a thing about how like Luke is telling them that the Jedi don't dream, and Corin's troubled by bad dreams, but which it's... is like Luke's dreaming all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like that's like the entire plot of Fate of the Jedi, but okay, or or Legacy of the Force, but okay. And then in the prequels, uh, like, Anakin's talking to Yoda about how he's having nightmares and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So... It's like, Luke, that's some... Luke's just like, Jedi don't dream anything. Later, he's like, probably. <laughs> like, Luke doesn't know anything he's saying. But after after the fight between Luke and Gantoris, 
where Luke is mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, well, that was good. Bush learned to control your anger. It could be your undoing. Uh, oh, when Luke has a dream. <laughs> uh, and where is it? Corin talks to Luke after the thing, and mm-hmm. uh, he said, how can you, it surprise you that Gantoris has found a way to fashion a lightsaber? You and Cam already possess one, so this is what we talked about. We talked about Gantoris' competition with you. It's like, yeah. clearly he learned from someone. So Corin says, I held my hands up, or that may be an issue, but not the core one as I see it. Luke says, so your vision here is paramount? It's like, no, he's he's pointing out that from his perspective, there's a problem. Why are you, why are you like this? Yep. Who hurt you? That's why I wrote bratty Luke. <laughs> like, come on, Luke. We also have that awkward moment where uh, Corin basically says he's only attracted to white people. Yeah. Was a little strange. Yeah, there's that, and like every, Corin just wants to sleep with everyone in every book. Cor, one of my notes from early on is, uh, hold on, where is it? It's why not just marry Leonia? Jeez, because like he gets the picture of Leona Tavira, and he's like basically drooling over her. Yeah, and like half the reason he finds her so attractive is because she looks really young. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, because there's that. Then there's the Kamasi thing. Then there's him being mm. racist with Tion. Uh, but he's like, but I I'd st- I still would. <laughs> like, gross, but... <laughs> it It's like, he's a horrible person. He's just a perv. It's he's fu- a huge perv. Every- <laughs> it's funny, too, because after he says that really kind of creepy comment, noticing the boobs, the developing boobs of the... Uh, the um, Kalmasi, he says it reminded him of a Salonian, mm-hmm. which made me kind of shudder even more because we know how he feels about Salonians. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> um, but yeah. Uh, I do like, I do kind of like, kind of back on topic, I do like Corin's. Because the. the uh, I like, I, I go back and forth on whether I like a Jedi not being able to use a certain force ability or not but i think it's handled okay in this book like we still don't really know why the line can't or the lineage can't use those abilities but i guess you kind of just chalk it up to like certain jedi or just yeah. predisposed to certain abilities really because like he in, in replacement of his telekinesis he gets this ability basically to um project images into people's minds yeah which he does very liberally we'll talk about that when we get towards the end of the book i'm sure they actually um, uh luke tries looking it up for him after he does it because they're, they're doing an exercise where they're supposed to lift the rock but what Corrin ends mm-hmm. up doing is like projecting inadvertently projecting the image in everyone's mind that he lifted the rock instead of actually lifting it uh so, so it's like i'm on wikipedia well and, uh... what it actually reads to me more like is like it's like okay so this is a power called alter mind so it's like he opened up the the wizard of the coast star wars D D <laughs> hand was like okay so he spec two points into alter mind He's going to roll 2d6. Make sure to practice your int in your decks. <laughs> Don't act like you understand tabletop role-playing games. Listen, I've played Kodor, I understand it, <laughs> and other video games. Um, I do like, too, how um, when Nija gets the... Uh, he basically sucks up, when he's being attacked by the uh, the Dark Jedi, he basically sucks up the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me of that scene from the, uh, the Old Republic. Um trailer or what's her name uh sucks up the lightsaber like getting jabbed at her mm-hmm. um um Satil. Satil Sean, yeah 
Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. So it's kind but of jumping ahead, like, but like the the vision that Corin gets there, and like the the scene when it's replayed by Elagos, that to me mm-hmm. felt. I don't know if you ever watched Game of Thrones, but it, it felt very like uh, the the what was the what the scene called? Uh, the, the where the guy's fat face gets smashed. No, when uh, Jon Snow, like when Ned Stark and his buddies are all rolling up on uh, Rhaegar's castle when they find mm-hmm. Jon, that just kind of felt like that to me. Uh, yeah, because it's kind of like a standoff. Yeah, I, Sun yeah. Tower or something. I don't know. Yeah, the Sun Tower. Yeah, I see. I I've only watched up to where the books got, and then I stopped. Mm-hmm. I remember that from the books. Um, it kind of reminded me of like the the fight, um, where uh, the mountain like crushes that or not, is it the mountain or the, the mountain or the mountain's brother? One of them crushes that guy's head because he like he hasn't beaten right and then it's just like kind of a last moment just oh like, yeah yeah really the duel with uh... gruesome death because he like basically describes him as like picking him up in a giant fist yeah just, like crushing all of his bones the duel with the hound like, probably... and the other cool guy that yeah yeah uh dorian martell was that i can't remember There's like so i've been so long since i've read them but yeah yeah i never i never yeah um but yeah, interesting. Uh, Force Billy's kind of cool too. Like, and it's I do find it funny how like back there's like some things that you got in the old EU of this era that you didn't get that you don't get now. Like all Dark Siders exploding into blue lightning. Um, yeah, you get that back then, that. but that's not a thing now. And all Jedi disappearing immediately upon death. Um, that happens in NGO which, as well. Yeah. Still. Which is understandable because they didn't. They were just going off of like the only jet. Well, I guess Qui Gon doesn't disappear. Well, I guess that was before Qui Gon. Qui Gon, but like Yoda disappears yeah. and Obi Wan disappears. So like, and Vader presumably disappeared. I guess we don't really know. But so by this point, all the Jedi that died did disappear. So it's kind of a, kind of an understandable, uh, kind of an understandable. Uh, and I think it's in the assumption. episode two or three novelization where. Uh, I think Yoda is like talking to Obi Wan. Like, I communed with our friend Qui Gon, and he's shown me the secret to. Yeah, that. it's right at the end of Episode Three. But, uh... which I think would have been cool in the movie if they could have, like, maybe not have that, but if they somehow had like Qui Gon appear for just a second, like at the end of the Episode Three movie, just like as a bit of hope, I think that would have been cool if done right. Because Shaking I I remember Saturday reading the. Mea culpa, everyone. Shit, my goddamn it. Yeah. Is it in the <laughs> movie? the chosen one. Qui-Gon, like, you're right, you know. No, I mean, like, in the novelization. No, no, I mean the, the conversation where, Qui- where Yoda says that. Is that actually in the movie? There is a bit where he's like, I've communed with an old friend. He, he, I think that line is basically there. But there's more to it in the novelization. Hmm. Because Obi-Wan goes, Qui-Gon? Yoda's like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> then he rolls a blunt. <laughs> yeah, rolls a big fat doob. He's <laughs> like, take much of this to Dagobah, I will. <laughs> uh, I just want to mention we also get a nice name drop of one of my uh, one of my missed characters, Lujani Forge. Mm-hmm. She wasn't in the books for very long. <laughs> She's the one that gets shot during the raid, right? Is she? I I always get the Forge it, sisters mixed up in, in the first place. Isn't she the place. one that gets like, killed in her sleep? 
Right. So Aniri's the one that's still alive then. Or is it Aniri that dies? Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure Lejane dies. Uh, we'll yeah, need Kilgore's to we need dead. to do a reread of She dies on Talisia. That's the thing about X Wing, it throws so many names at you yeah. that like I forget so much about it. I'm just like I know Oral. <laughs> like I know Tycho and Wedge, like I'm pretty much good. <laughs> we also get Gavin name dropped, um, which was nice because I do like Gavin too. Yeah, Gavin's in a in a dog fight with him uh, later mm-hmm. on. I actually love that scene. I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. I, will, I guess we'll get to that in a bit. But what else do you want to talk about the uh, the, the whole Academy. Jedi Academy so, stuff? I, I really enjoyed this section though because we actually get like a sl- like a slice of life. I mean, that's kind of what I really like about this book. It's like basically two or three different slices of life. Yeah, like you you feel the time when he's on the because like, a lot of these big like spanning books like even the jedi academy trilogy or the thrawn trilogy or whatever they cover so much like time like like the thrawn trilogy is what like six months in total um or longer and like same with but in in this book it, it's a lot of time but like you're just seeing a lot of day to day yeah like, you corn's going on his runs and he's talking to people so you get kind of a slice of life that you don't ordinarily get and i really enjoyed that actually yeah, I, that's one of the things that I kind of liked about like early bits of The Mandalorian, which we've talked mm. about a little bit, but just yeah. kind of seeing the bits of the universe that are usually kind of less important, but here yeah. we have time to kind of go into it. That's uh, why like, I love the beginning of the book where he's just like going to his apartment. And I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. cool. Like, you get to see like something that would be not important enough to be mentioned in another book. And some of that is the first-person perspective, which I actually enjoyed. I was like sometimes first person perspective books can come off as a little bit cheesy but i thought they did a pretty good job with like keeping this one not dangerously cheesy Mm -hmm. um which is nice uh yeah so i think the only two things to sort of touch on are just the uh the extra context we get for the fights with exarcoon uh sorry Mm. exarcoon um And, there's a lot of extra context as well. Yeah, because like there's the there's uh the main one I wanted to talk about is just the attack by the ancient Sith beasts on Luke, uh, mm. where in the book in uh sorry in Jedi Academy we see three that are in the room fighting Jason, an infant with a with a lightsaber, but mm-hmm. uh, Corin in I Jedi is like fighting a couple in Mara's Z ninety five. And yeah, he like he ends up having to fly into space to shake off one that was like ripping his fighter apart. Meanwhile, again, three year old with a lightsaber is fighting them to kill them <laughs> yeah. off with Luke encouraging it. So it's really and hard to say. Crushing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to say which Luke is more irresponsible, the I Jedi Luke or the Jedi Academy Luke. But it's it's a close run. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned this during our discussion of the Jedi Academy trilogy, but really a lot of this is Corin is made very very prominent in like almost everything that happens so like corn is kind of like becomes the de facto leader of not only things well when luke is incapacitated but really like corn is doing a lot of leading even when luke is around like he's like kind of like preparing for the worst and stuff and like he's getting people ready and like i don't know you have to remember he's he's getting a lot of input on certain things but, like, it definitely, both sides kind of highlight uh, K 
Cam as the sort of day-to-day lead and then Silgal as their representative. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know that Corrin really has a leadership position there because he's so he's I, putting himself outside of the group so much. It's kind of what mm-hmm. it gets portrayed as. Well, I don't think he's got a formal leadership position, but I, I do think he takes a lead on like practical matters like mm-hmm. quite frequently. Like in the destruction of the Exarchoon Temple is a good one. And it's worth noting too because some people might be confused, the character that Corrin plays, and Corrin is undercover at the temple. He goes by the name Kieran Halcyon, um, which green is hair. one of his ancestors. He just dyes literally every hair on his body green, because that is really how you blend in. And then blonde later, isn't it? Yeah, he's blonde when he's uh, Janos Edanian. Mm-hmm. I forgot that he had a uh, that alter ego. It's kind of weird, too, because when he's with Luke later on, Luke still refers to him as Kieran. Yeah. But but anyway, um, so yeah, like when it comes to, oh, as I was saying, Kieran Halcyon, the character, is not mentioned in the Jedi Academy trilogy. Um, You get like seven or eight, maybe nine characters of the, the class of 12 that are named outright, and then you get the other ones, so you can imply Corrin to be one of those remaining ones. Um, mm-hmm. but then in this, it, it's a little, it's not super hard, I guess, to make the two work together. Um, but so like when Exar Kun is being, you know, part of the reason why he's fighting Strain and all of them with the trap is because, um, Corrin has sort of goaded him into it at his temple. Yeah. Um, so you kind of get a lot of extra that wasn't really in the, in the book. Yeah, they he, they're able to find some stuff for Corrin to do without making it entirely be like, oh well, actually nothing anyone else did mattered. Uh, it's all mm. Corrin, and I, I, I enjoyed that. He mostly just goes for runs. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I'm like reading this last night. He's like talking about going for a run. I'm just like smacking my belly every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, gym's closed here, bud. Could run outside, but not happening. <laughs> Uh, um, so after Exar Kun's dead, uh, Luke wakes up, and Corrin's like, "Yep, uh, I'm gonna duel you. Then I'm gonna head out." Uh. <laughs> yeah, and Luke is so like defeated too. Luke's like, "Not another student leaving me. Please, please don't leave. <laughs> please stay in the academy." <laughs> <laughs> because Mara's left at this point. Yeah. Tantorus is dead. Kip, to be fair, is back. Um, and I do like how Corrin, who is very, you know, law and order minded, is like kind of not epic that Kip's still here. <laughs> yeah. And he's got some good points. Like if yeah. if Kip was under Exar Kun's control and not influence, he probably would would have just killed Luke right outright. Uh, Which is a great point. Yeah. And he didn't. And like they kind of come to the conclusion at the end is like, OK, well, actually, it's condemning kip to a life of servitude in the jedi uh it's like being a jedi is kind of pretty epic though so like (laughs) but corin and kip tend to be on the opposite sides of the order for like the rest of legends Mm. where they're representing kind of different schools of thought where kip is uh basically the jedi need to take action we need to go and we need to right every wrong and really just the fact that Mm -hmm. we're jedi shouldn't mean people are listening to us uh and corin is like no, we need to kind of determine what's the best path for the Jedi. We can help people, but we don't want to put ourselves in a position yeah. of power. 
Uh, we don't want to be like these vigilantes going around un, uh, unrestricted in the rest of the galaxy. If only he didn't spend the next half of this book doing that. But yeah. uh, there was one other point I wanted to talk about with uh, when he's in the temple luring mm-hmm. Exar Kun out or whatever, and Mara just shows up, yeah. didn't even check on him. He's like, what's going on, Corrin? Uh, yeah. But also, I guess she sensed it, but kind of weird. Mara, or Exar Kun is like projecting images of Mirax and his mom, and it'll be like, uh, Mirax is saying, mm. you couldn't save me. And his mom's like, he never cared if I died either. It's like he's got a fair point there. You've never come up before. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even know. I didn't even know you were dead until this yeah. point. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? I do like uh, when Corn sees the solo twins. He's like, okay, I kind of get the whole wanting to have kids thing. It talks about how like the twins are being like, like once once the twins are born and like of course they're super famous. It's like. Birth rates in the galaxy spiked. <laughs> Everyone's naming their kids Jason and Jaina. <laughs> must get really old. <laughs> well, that's what I'd name my kids. So I just wouldn't be able to tell Dana where the names came from. <laughs> Jason with a C, just just to be different. <laughs> he's my favorite uh... character. Okay, he's actually a huge douche, but he's still my favorite character. Yeah. Well. You can be a good character in a douche. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, like Corin, <laughs> yeah. So Corin, speaking of douchey things to do, uh, Corin decides he's out of the, the academy. He's gonna call his father-in-law to come pick him up, take him home, because uh, the Jedi Academy stupidly doesn't keep any ships on hand. Yeah, what are they doing with that? So uh, Corin calls Booster, who who flies a little thing known as an Imperial Star Destroyer, <laughs> doesn't tell Luke that this is coming. And it's like, what do you mean, stay calm? There's a Star Destroyer. Like, no, no, that's it's fine. It's Booster. I love the bit we get of the air adventure as well, because we mm-hmm. learn about the uh, the different levels. There's basically like a like a slum. <laughs> there's like a uh, there's like a high class and a mid class level. That was pretty cool. It's like talking about how there's like <laughs> construction efforts to like con- con- like connect them all. That was pretty cool. Yeah, you get like uh, um, going through the uh, the stores, and you get like the thing you were saying earlier about Lando being there in Mara. Mm. But that's that like the second time he's on there. But still, yeah. I do want to mention too. There's one thing that I had a note on that I didn't realize. It talks about the. Um, the holocron having different gatekeepers it says auxiliary 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 holocron gatekeepers so i guess there's more than just the bodo well if he's on his um, lunch break when uh when that's happening like you can't just expect the guy to come through and answer every question that'd be stupid that's true yeah i don't know if we've ever had mention of that i thought it was kind of interesting do you think, though, a little question before we move on, do you think this book would have been improved if Korn had taken Whistler with him the whole time? I think that would have blown his cover. So, yes, it would have made the book much better. He just, <laughs> he's trying to be an invid, and he just got this astromech droid falling around. Like, I don't know if that would be that weird. Lots of people would have droids. No, this is like a high-grade military equipment used by the New Republic. But it's also Whistler, who's like, he's had for ages, so he's probably like, not in that great a shape. I, he's had Whistler since his dad was alive. That's fair. I don't know. I just, I just think it would be weird. I, fair I don't know. I, 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 I like Whistler. Whistler's great. 
But Me too. Whistler would have just compromised the whole mission. I'm gonna say, like, Corrin talks about how like he uses Whistler as like a sounding board, and like how Whistler gives good advice. Then later on, he just fucking destroys a droid, just cuts him. He's like cut, like just cuts him in half, no second thought. Like you basically acknowledge that Whistler's your best friend. He's obviously sentient. Like these droids clearly like just gonna kill one. Just like that, like come on, hey, man. he doesn't hate come droids. On, One of his best friends is a droid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> my my sister's married to a droid. Come on. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's not yes. telling Booster anything about where Mirax is. He actually told Wedge to keep it a secret that she was uh, mm-hmm. she was captured. So Booster's not pleased, but Corin's able to convince him that. Uh, he should help Corrin get into Corellia to meet his grandfather or to see his grandfather because Corellia is kind of locked in right or isolated right now under the diktat yeah. uh, who's being a real diktat and he also wants access so got to a his, painful diktat that's disgusting uh, he wants access to Booster's data network so that he can find some part of the invids to infiltrate so, is there much you want to say about uh, the Corellia trip? Yeah, so there's something interesting that the audiobook does. And the audiobook, sometimes the the shortened ones, they will change things around or just, just make changes not only to remove things, but they'll also just slightly adjust how things work. So, in this book, um, for one, Korn never loses his lightsaber, which I think is fine. Or he never gives his lightsaber, which I thought was fine. Kind of a weird change. He never goes to Corellia after he's or when he's leaving Yavin. He has the kind of dream he does later of his grandfather being killed, and that's kind of what leads him to to um, abandon being a Jedi. Same as really in the the book, but without going to Corellia. Mm-hmm. And you really don't lose that much. I actually quite enjoy the yeah. Corellia scenes because it's more slice of life stuff, um, just day to day, like the stuff he's doing. For some reason, even though Mirax is still frozen somewhere, he's like out. He goes out for a night with his grandfather, which I thought was a cool, cool little bit. But it's like, yeah, doing a lot of a lot of stuff. Like, wasting a lot of time here. Yeah, he basically finds out about his grandfather. He has that uh, his bio grandfather. He has that uh, that dream, which he could have just had anywhere. And we go basically from yeah. like Aaron Venture, Crowley Aaron Venture. You could have just truncated that, and audiobook I guess does, but it was. Yeah. It was a nice couple scenes, just yeah, not. Yeah, super I like the gardening stuff. Like he's like going into the secret, uh, the like little kind of dungeon. Well, not dungeon. It's like a little shelter they have, kind of hidden. Um, I thought it was enjoyable. So I'm not. I'm. I'm glad it was in there. But if you're gonna truncate it, pretty good. Like it doesn't really change much. And like him giving up the lightsaber. I like. I guess I get that he's symbolically trying to separate himself from his. Jedi pass, but I don't really get that because I don't know. It's it's just kind of weird that like his his response to the training not working is to totally give up that part of him, you know? Yeah, and especially because like a lightsaber is super useful to have. He knows how to use it now, mm-hmm. and he's gonna go in a dangerous situation. He's looking for Mirax when he's been so pragmatic in other situations. Whereas like right now, he I could see maybe like I'm gonna rescue Mirax and then. Until I feel I've earned this, I'm not going to use it after that. But 
Like, yeah. the, the fact that he might need it to rescue Merrick should really take pri- priority there. Even if it would probably be I difficult thought... to smuggle it into pirate, pirate land. It is a bit weird, too, how, like... And we get more of this later on, but he spends a lot of time talking about how he's so experienced going undercover and so experienced breaking up gangs from the inside. But then he goes into this gang, and he basically, like, loses himself for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of weird, considering that's supposed to be one of his main character traits and one of his main kind of stories as an investigator is how often he's he's like i've done this dozens of times but this time for some reason just because he is having that sort of like ego struggle he uh he like almost loses himself but i just thought that was kind of strange yeah he was mostly looking to like find a way to integrate himself and murk his way up the ranks and i don't know how the new republic would really feel about this especially when he shard mm-hmm. he, he shards <laughs> no sharding <laughs> and laundry machines have limited capacity when he starts firing on new republic ships and mm. he's like he's leading the squadron like you're leading them to get to mirax but the new republic has official uh operations going on to find the invidious in mirax which you have yeah. left to take part in this so it seems like it might be a bit of an issue but hey if if kip can get away with blowing up karita then who's to say I mean, he, they literally do find the Invidious as well, and Corrin helps it escape. I was kind of under the impression that Mirax was on the Invidious. I'm not sure. Was that something that, like, may have misread the scene, but because Exar Kuhn shows he, him that, gives him that kind of vision. And I thought it was implying that um, that Mirax was on the uh, the Invidious, but I guess not. Um, uh, it's it's unclear if she was kept at, like, a base on Susefvi. Or if mm. she was on Invidious the whole time. Because, uh, mm. like, it's the Gensari that wanted to lure Corrin to them. Uh, yeah. So it might, it could have gone either way there. I, the whole time. So, yeah. She would, I guess she, because yeah. she was on the Invidious when they got her, it, she's probably there the whole time, actually. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, he joins Rock Squadron, wants to show that he rocks. Uh, meets a new nemesis for a few chapters named Remart, who's, like, the biggest asshole. Uh, yeah. Basically tries to rape that, um, Algos Oculus daughter. Yeah. Which is pretty dark. Um, yeah, so Corrin goes under, so basically he goes undercover with the Invids, or not really the Invids, kind of like this, it's, it's uh, kind Q- of... survivors. Yeah, they're, so they're basically like a pirate gang, um, but they're like, kind of the, it, it's weird because, so Corrin gets into this pirate gang, which is sort of working for the, the invids, which are like this larger pirate gang, but also have ex imps in them. Um, and Corrin is like doing a really good job of like keeping them from killing people and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the, most of the pirates are kind of okay with that, which I guess is fine. They're pirates. They're cool with stealing, but I guess just generally they're not like monsters. Um, except for get Remar. more of that towards yeah remart he's basically like uh like cory said he's basically corn's nemesis and he moves to a different squadron because there's like three squadrons um within this within this pirate group and corn starts off it, it's rocks is it rock squadron he starts yeah, off he's in? with rock and then he needs to work up his way into bolt which is like the head of the of the pirates mm-hmm. in that group the best squadron there because he talks to yeah for it. Yeah, if you're in Bolt, you can get moved on to the Invidious. Yeah, and he believes that's how he can find uh, 
Mirax. Yeah, he's told by his new friend in the Pirates, uh, Kate, who is a Shistavanian. Uh, I liked her. Yeah, she was a fun character. That the only way, like the the two ways to get onto the Invidious are becoming like a high-ranking Bolt Squadron that member that takes the notice of Tavira, or to uh, basically become one of Tavira's many concubines. And mm. Corin thinks he wants the squadron method, but eventually starts thinking like, <laughs> you know what? It's like if I have to if I have to bang her for Mirax's sake, what am what's a man supposed to do? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Just not have sex with someone else? <laughs> yeah, because she's like even from the beginning he's like really into her. Um even though she's like totally cruel and evil um and whatnot, but not very not a very cash money thing yeah. for Corrin to do, but at, at one point, so a lot of this arc is basically Corrin kind of coming to terms with like he's got to make all parts of his background work. He's got to be part Corsac, he's got to be part Jedi. He's got to kind of use them both, and that's really what the sort of opening half of this investigator arc is all about. Because mm-hmm. he starts falling into the invids, like actually, like he basically gets Remart killed by goading him into a fight. Um, and he just starts doing, and then there's a whole thing with, uh, wanting to bang her and it's just, it basically just starts becoming real sleazy and he's like, shit, I am becoming sleazy. Mm-hmm. And then he meets, uh, Elagos Akla who, and it becomes a character in other books and then eventually dies in the NJO, unfortunately. Uh, and then gets a Star Destroyer named after him for some reason. A really powerful um, one. Elagos, yeah, yeah. Elgos kind of helps set him straight, which is a very... I, I love Elgos. He's Elgos. a great character. Yeah, Elgos, Oral. Corrin doesn't deserve his friends. No, he does. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, he's kind of struggling to move up the ranks. They finally do a raid on Zafel, which is where they uh, come up against Rogue mm-hmm. Squadron, and that's where he yeah. takes uh, Tavira's attention, and she kind of moves him up to a Bolt Squadron leader, uh, yeah. moves the former leader up into her staff, and... Yeah. Uh, after that that's when he's working directly with remart who uh at first remart's pissed off but then remart becomes one of tavira's uh sex buddies and mm-hmm. every remart's like oh everything's fine between us now but then he tries to kill the kamasi and corn's like no that's not very cash money not gonna let that happen yeah so when they're they're for those who don't know the, the kamasi are like Really, really unfortunate for them in the galaxy. They're basically this really well-loved race. Um, and he talks about in the book how, like, many species have used the word Ka'amasi to refer to, like, as, like, a friend or, like, a trusted person. Um, and the planet was bombed by the Empire. Uh, and that's kind of what the Thrawn duology is largely about. It's, like, who put down the shields on Ka'amas? It was some Bothans, and there's, like, a big... You know, the Bothans suck generally, so there's a big... Um, controversy brewing um, and then of course the Kamasi are moving across the galaxy of course lots of them settle on Alderaan <laughs> right before it's uh, destroyed uh, but others are settling on different planets and these pirates are raiding one of these planets um, one of these new kind of uh, Kamasi colonies and they just want supplies but of course they get down to the planet's surface and Remart has killed a few... There's also slavers there, too. And uh, they kill the slavers, and then they get down to the planet's surface, and Remart is about to kill Elagos Akla, and Corrin's like, you can't do that. He's my slave now. 
and then basically goads Remart into a fight and just beats the shit out of him like really, really badly. Yeah, and after this point, Elagos kind of uh, insists that he go with Corin and becomes kind mm-hmm. of his moral center again, kind of drags yes. him back to who he's supposed to be. Because uh, uh, Elagos is aware of who Corin is, because Elagos mm-hmm. is the nephew of Corin's grandfather's best friend, and one of the things about Kamasi is that they can exchange memories, so they're called Memni. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can do that with each other, but they can also do <laughs> it with. The, they can do it with the. My memory's not so good. <laughs> they can also do it with Jedi. Is... Yeah, and Elagos's uncle, as we mentioned, was also a Jedi and was the one serving um, with Corin's grandfather. So there's quite a connection there. Um, yeah, and then, then once Elagos. Elgos really gets helps Corn get his shit together. Yeah. One thing I did want to mention before we get onto that kind of latter half of this arc is I do really like the scene where he's fighting Rogue Squadron. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar to when um, remember when they go undercover in the other Rogue Squadron books. Is that Corn who goes undercover? And I remember there's like kind of the same thing. It's like yeah, when is for the Coruscant raid or for Coruscant capture? No, remember. I can't remember. Is it the Wraith Squadron books where one of them goes undercover with one of the Imperials? I can't even remember now. Remember they have the... They steal the... Well, when they're doing the pirates... They're hacking the... Uh, the Hawkbats? Is it when they're... Yeah, yeah. So Face tracking... is trying to be the uh, the captain? Yes. Yes, right. Because the, they steal, like, TIE interceptors, don't they? And then they make their way into the group. Yeah. Well, they end up there's with, kind of a similar uh, thing. It's the like, ship as well. They end up with Nightcaller. And then Face is trying to pretend to be Darillion every time Zinch calls. Right, because it's kind of like the same thing. It's like you're fighting your own guys. Yeah. It's like how do you kind of... Um, but I also like how Corrin by this point is like fully Force-sensitive. We see him kind of expand his uh, insights and whatnot throughout. Um, and I really like how he talks about... Like, not he talks about like I can't remember who it's first. I guess it's Oral. He sees Oral's perspective, and then later it's Tycho, and it's like he like has so much more respect for Wedge and Tycho because they're like their minds are just incredible. Like he's got the force which he leans on, but he's like Tycho is out there. He's just like crushing it on his own. Um, Same with Wedge. He says even though Wedge isn't in the battle, he's like got a lot more respect for how they operate, which I thought was cool. Mm And he's like, oh, Oral must have been holding back when he's flying with me because he's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that would be a very Oral thing to do. Oral's a real bro. Yeah, he is. Oral and uh, Elagos, they're the real ones. Oral, the kind of dude that never forget your birthday. Oh, did I? It's like, is this is this a shot at me? No, no. No, I don't think you forgot my birthday. I didn't. But two years yeah. ago, I didn't say anything about it. Probably didn't say anything about yours either. Yeah. Just ask me, is um, anything happening with that Ascendancy mod as well? Can I get, a, can I get an early that, build or something? I actually, I found... True? Uh, I take a lot of screenshots of messages for some mm-hmm. reason. And kind I was deleting a bunch of stuff. And I found something mm-hmm. like that. I think I was just happy that such a large channel wanted to play our stuff. So I took a screenshot mm-hmm. of that to send it to the team. But if you think that's... Was it actually on your birthday? It wasn't on my birthday. No, it was just... Okay bringing that up because it, it, it was a thing around that time i think it was like mm-hmm. january or february and everyone knows uh, we're march 20 birthdays. 
18? I think so. Hmm, interesting. Sounds about right to me. Um, so yeah, at that point, he, you're saying he kind of decides, okay, we gotta, I gotta be done with these pirates. We gotta just take the pirates apart, getting too close to them. And then he really does some questionable shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, Elagos kind of signs off on this, where he's like, I need to find out who mm. I am now. What I'm going to do is go undercover as my Jedi self and just cause them all. I'm going to do stuff to just make them lose uh, morale so that everyone kind of quits the pirates. I don't see yeah. the direct connection with uh, Mirax, but his plan and was very, so very tangent or very tentative here. The leader of like the group he's a part of is Jacob Knives. He is the leader, right? Yeah. And basically, he's a pretty good dude. Like he he doesn't like killing random people. He tells Corin like I hope you rub off on us, i.e. like I hope we start to be more kind rather than Yeah, and you don't want to tell Corin <laughs> to, to rub off on stuff cuz he just takes it the way you'd expect. Um and at one point Corin's like Jacob told me all these fears about becoming like that he was losing himself and he told me this like in confidence like like late one night and then he's like I'm going to use that against him and go into his mind. Like that's like probably one of the most dark side things yeah. you can do, right? Yeah. Cuz like that's... Luke even warns him like you you don't you don't fuck with people's minds like like it's it's a big betrayal and like we get a lot of that I think in the Thrawn duology as well. And Corn is just like I'm going to take this guy's fears. And this guy is not only his fears, but his fears which reveal that he's actually a good person deep down and use it against him and fucking scare the shit out of him and affect his mind and stuff. And this does go back to some of the conversations he had, especially when leaving the uh, leaving the Academy with Luke, mm-hmm. where Luke is like, look, if you think it's not just light side and dark side, then you're going to go to the dark side. And Cor's like, no, I, I had a hard life, and, and you don't know my story. And I'm not I I I I don't go to the dark side. And then he tries to say the same thing to Mara, but it basically mm-hmm. retrospectively, a lot of what Luke says ends up being right. It's just yes. some of the Luke's an idiot does just come from the fact that Corin has that naive perspective of him. It's kind of funny too because Corin later at one point says, when you see people like Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine, who are like so objectively evil, you think like the dark side will be an obvious decision but really it's like the day-to-day thing Mm -hmm. and it's like do i cause do i beat somebody up just because i can but it's kind of weird too because earlier on when he's having that discussion with luke he's like listen i've been places like i've seen the dark side like when it's not sexy you know like i've seen like like a a man beat up his wife and stuff so you'd think he can kind of talk the talk when it comes to the like time to do so he does not walk the walk at Mm -hmm. all like he fully embraces it like on small like on a small level and he catches himself but yeah yeah and he ultimately the end of his or close to the end of his escapades here ends up with uh shallow the hut who's kind of in charge in the local area on uh uh Corcoris, the planet they're on yeah. for these pirates and he thinks his big thing is going to be that he's going to go in uh he's going to end shala that's really just going to send things into a tailspin and Elgo's like yeah, nah. <laughs> Don't think you will, and, bud. <laughs> uh, he's like, no, no, trust me, I got this. And Elgo's like, yeah, nah. And he's like, no, no, I got this. Yeah, nah. And he does it anyways. He he built a lightsaber for all of this out of some like 
wine bottles uh, that Tavira sent was where he got the the crystals. But mm-hmm. so with his makeshift lightsaber, he goes in and then uh, doesn't realize that he's walking into an ambush. The whole thing that they're in explodes. Uh, him and Shala. So Shala gets killed, and he gets like mm-hmm. his clothes get blown off of him. He absorbs yeah. the. He uses his uh, force absorption to take in all the fire and make mm-hmm. like a big projected image of essentially a giant naked Jedi at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Look unto my dong in despair. <laughs> I have become dong. <laughs> Destroyer of Salonians. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We'll leave it at there. So yeah, he he's All like right guys, that's gonna be it for the podcast forever. He's stumbling home, Elagos comes across like drunk again, I see. And then some women <laughs> laugh at him. It's like you know you're hanging dong, right? <laughs> you know you smell bad. <laughs> you know you could have pre- you know you could have projected that field like a couple inches out. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> but I didn't did I I'm very comfortable with my body. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually the Corellian accent for real. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of Corellian, we get a lot of the odds thing in this book, of course, because it's the Stackpolian odds. <laughs> Becomes yeah. almost like a like it's not just a thing that was referenced in the movie. Like like everyone in the galaxy knows about Corellians and their odds. <laughs> Luke says it twice within like five pages. And... Like I'm gonna stop you here. We know odds. Yes. That was that was like my impression of Luke in universe, not me saying don't talk about this because this is one of the best topics we ever go on. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty happy with what I covered there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they like all of the stuff that he's doing here, trying to like uh, bring down morale. It eventually comes. It essentially comes to nothing because mm-hmm. uh, after Shala blows up, he's kind of put in charge. Told you need to get things in in shape around here. And so he starts doing that. He starts getting, like, as in his guise as Jano Sedanian, he starts saying, like, okay, we're going to, this is all the security stuff we're going to do. The mysterious Jedi stops attacking, uh, so everyone thinks it's working. And his plan is that he's going to die. And, like, he's going to set up his own death, and then everyone's really just going to drop off the face of the Earth. And Mm -hmm. apparently people are really dumb because he, like, walks into a bar dressed as a Jedi. It's, It's not like some Team Rocket level disguise shit. But no one seems to realize it's the exact same dude. Mm-hmm. He's never around at the same time. <laughs> but eventually he's like... It's like, I'm just drunk all the time. He walks in, he sees some uh, some pirates on a corner. He's like, okay, this, these are my next targets. And turns out they've all got lightsabers because they're Jinsari. Oops. It's like everyone knew the whole time. It was just like kind of sad. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, it's that Jedi again. Oh no! No one break his spirit. He's getting. He's in, I've never seen him so happy. <laughs> Elagos actually just put it on everyone to like. Okay, just go along with this. We've got another. It's like make make it look like you're running away. We've got another village over there. He's not going to kill anyone, but <laughs> just. It's like Corin talks about himself as like a predator. Well, he's like when I worked in Corsac, I was a predator. I'm like probably right. He's like now that I've got Jedi powers, I'm a super predator. Like yep. not very light side sounding. <laughs> So this is everyone keep this in mind for New Jedi Order when Kip yeah. is just saying, why don't we just do that all the time? 
And I think uh, I think Ganner actually specifically brings up what Corn is doing here. So he doesn't just get away with it. Oh really? Yeah, I can't remember if it's if it's Ganner. It's either Ganner, Kip, or or Anakin that brings it up. Or Jason. Fucking Anakin. Probably Whoa, young Jason. Buddy. <laughs> Probably Jason, because Jason's the one like questioning everything yeah. and spending all his time with Corrin until Corrin decides he's he's just kinda gonna take the rest of the war off. I did find it funny that the lightsaber crystal he called was a Kubas Zirconia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> that was, that, was that was a reach. <laughs> yeah. That was ready but, for Halo Reach. So Luke and Oral show up to save him, basically, as he's being attacked by these uh, Gensari. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how did you show up? And it's like, clearly they both like hacked his MSN or something. Or like, or in his emails. But they're just like, uh, I knew when to come and he knew where to come. <laughs> and Corrin's like, okay. And they're like, oh shit, he, believed, he went for it. <laughs> uh, if you were like, ready, you would have been here and now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite understand that. I guess it's just like Gand got some powers and Jedi got some powers. You put them together. And... Yeah, when the time was right. No, Oral's just been yeah. watching the whole time. Yeah. Oral's like, it's like, Corin, you forgot to turn your Snapchat location off. Yeah. <laughs> so Corin sees that uh, that his buddies are there, and he's just like, uh, "Hi, dudes," and. Uh, they decide, you know what, let's just, the plot of the book is really dragging on here. Let's just fly up to the ship, which we know where it, where it is from the Gensari. They do some interrogation. Luke pretends mm-hmm. that he's uh, he's the hardcore, silent, bad cop. Yeah. Corn's like, look, I, I gotta get this information from my boss. We'll, we'll let you go. I'll, I'll file this away on your taxes. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And then basically, everything... Like, until then, it's kind of funny because basically they stole Mirax to get Corrin there. So, like, they would have came from eventually, yeah. right? Like, like Corrin goes on this big adventure, and, and by the end, it was like, oh, the Force will let you. But it, it was about there. finding, it was about the right time. Like, this is what Oral and Luke are really just mm-hmm. uh, hammering into them. Where it's like, it, it's a, <laughs> the real book was the friends you made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so go ahead i was just gonna run down more of the plot what do you got uh no that's the same same thing i was gonna do i mean we're basically like we're getting near the end they go to this final planet and then they attack kind of the imperial compound on there uh they rescue mirax um they ruthlessly kill some uh, some stormtroopers and luke's like Corn, you kind of got to work on giving these guys a warning. And Corn's like, I'll worry about that later. And Luke's like, uh, mm. shit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's worry about it now. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they just kind of get on the ship. They find Mirax. They have a quick duel with the Gensari leader. Then they tell her, mm. <laughs> well, actually, you're kind of evil. And show a duel that she was, like, well aware of what happened, pretty much. Like, I don't see how any of the context Elagos made by sharing the vision or sharing yeah. the memory with her would have really explained it. Because it was like, <laughs> did you actually maybe consider that the person who died was an asshole that you cared about? Like, Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh yeah. And she's like, did you ever consider that? <laughs> 
Like the, the only real information that we kind of gleaned from that is that uh, uh, Elenic thought that Nico Tiras smelled bad because <laughs> they refer to them all like the the Kamasi memories. Those scenes end up referring to the people by a scent rather than the name, yeah. and so like uh, Elenic refers to uh, Nija Halcyon, Corin's grandfather, as Spicewood. Because that's what he smells mm-hmm. like to him. Uh, Which sounds kind of sexy. Yeah, that, that sounds like a... Very pleasant. Yeah, deodorant scent or something. But then yeah. Nico Tiris, the Anzati who they're killing, who's like the, the former lover of the Gensare leader, which is mm-hmm. why she was hunting down Corin because Corin's grandfather killed her husband. Yelenic uh, calls him Night Sweat. <laughs> yeah. Like... It's like, it's like mm. Taint juice. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> truly, we have all learned how to cooperate. Oh, hands that have recently touched balls, we meet again. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you know who the other Jedi is there? Uh, in the group of three, or yeah, no, it's Obi Wan. It's supposed it? to be Obi Wan. Yeah, I was unaware of that. Yeah, it was. It was confirmed at some point, but I think there have been hints. Not in the book, but yeah, it's confirmed at some point. It's supposed to be Obi-Wan with them. I forget what they call him. It's Sand something. Um... <laughs> Sandy Taint, actually, is. <laughs> Stinky feet. Oh, that's so silly. <laughs> you think they just bullshit? It's like. So, like, I'd be curious. I'd be like, like, what do I smell like? It's like. Ass. <laughs> I can't lie. I'm sorry. What do you think you smell like, young unwashed Desert wind. Anus? Yeah, that's what it is. Desert wind. Oh, because he he lived on Tatooine later, right? That one. Yeah, they probably just yeah. Um, and then yeah, the Gensari. They're like, okay, I guess we weren't being that epic, and uh, the duel between uh, Corin and the uh, the Gensari leader is kind of fun. And then Corin's like lightsaber just dies. Yeah, which I guess is I guess is like. I forget when, like, because they deal with uh, lightsaber-resistant material in the Thrawn duology when they're in, like, Thrawn's compound. I think it, like, shorts out lightsabers in that, too, right? Yeah, the Cortosis? Yeah. Yeah. Usually, later on, it just kind of blocks it, but here it just really fucks it up. Yeah. Well, I feel like it fucks it up like that on other occasions, but I don't know. I might be mistaken. Uh, well, there is one other point uh, to the book where uh, Corin, he, him and Luke talk about how he doesn't want to go back to the Academy and Luke was going to ask him not to go back to the Academy uh, but he asked for one final favor where he just wants to blow up the, the statue of Ex- or the temple of Exar Kun. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was the end. Then he goes back to, uh, to Rogue Squadron. Someone in the chat just pointed out it was supposed to be Obi-Wan come out of Hermitage to help. So Obi-Wan is a hermit at this point? I don't yeah. know, the timeline is so messed up. That, I guess that I guess explains that Desert make... Wind, because he's coming yeah. from Tatooine. But... It kind of makes the ages a bit difficult, but well, yeah. whatever. I mean, the ages were always going to be difficult. With but this. it's it's going to be weird, because the Gensari leader would have to be really old if... Anyway. Yeah, um, and she was kind of described that way. Yeah. Even, like, Corrin is, like, still gets his horny moment, because he's like, man, that armor is sexy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't expect Corrin to see something and not want to sleep with it. Yeah. 
like Corrin's like driving down the road and there's like a squirrel like looks at him a little too long. <laughs> Reminds me of Turtle Roar. <laughs> it's like you better watch out. <laughs> Uh, you stop playing, squirrel. <laughs> there is one other thing that we kind of skipped over earlier that I did want to bring up that I thought was kind of interesting with the conversations between Luke and Corrin. Uh, Obi-Wan reminded me of it where uh, Corrin was talking about Luke's teaching style and saying like, well, you learned what you needed to learn from Obi-Wan and Yoda, but they were teaching you to fight the Empire specifically. And mm, they were kind yeah. of like, Corrin's theory is that they were setting Luke up to be like, pull vader into him like to to raise some alarms that he was out there he's like why would they send you to tatooine and call you luke skywalker like yeah it's just asking for fair good point but i I never got the impression that's what yoda was doing at least maybe like obi-wan i feel like was a bit more kind of pointed in his training but but yeah that's a good question i kind of got the opposite read of him really where, like, to me, it was more Yoda was just training him as the one just only cared about him on that level. But with mm-hmm. Obi-Wan, there was still the, like, you're my my best friend's son element. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah. Makes sense to me. Like, both of them clearly wanted him to, like, carry on the Jedi mantle, need to destroy the Empire. Yeah. But... yeah. Uh, so, yeah, at the end, as you, I think you started, he... Gets ready. He takes the X-wing to Yavin, and he blows up the uh, the temple, Exarchoon's temple, using his Rogue is... Nine call sign. So he's back in the squad. Yeah, and he had, he had the Rock Nine call sign too, which was quite convenient. Just in case you forgot. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. Um, anything else you want to mention? Any other plot points you want to cover? Or should we go on uh, to? Uh, no, if we want to go on to the to the ranks and then emails. Sure. Do you want to? Go first. Uh, yeah, so the ranks. Uh, first off, we're just going to... Basically, what we do at the end of the episode is we kind of put it in uh, the list of where our current rankings are. I'm going to put it on screen here. And I'd like to make some sort of uh, spreadsheet that I can just link on the audio version for people who want to look that up because it's going to start getting more cumbersome. Uh, then we can just... Audio listeners can see that as well uh, rather than mm-hmm. us reading it out every time. But we're going to do questions after this. So if people want to just uh, tag us with any questions ideally related to this book uh yeah uh we're gonna answer a few emails and then we'll get to that so uh yeah i really liked it i it's kind of in with the uh this upper tier of books for me with like all the other x-wing books and medstar so Mm -hmm. i would probably put it between iron fist and wraith squadron Maybe okay. even above. I'm going to put it above Iron Fist. So just below Battle Surgeons. So what are you thinking? Okay. Yeah, like for me, I really enjoyed this too. I thought the first perspective was great. I loved how much kind of territory it covered. It is a long book. Yeah. And it's, it feels long too. Like 400 and I think it's 450 pages. It's mm-hmm. That's not that long of a book book for some. That's the hardcover count anyway. Uh, yeah, um, the soft cover I have right here. It is five seventy seven. Five seventy seven. So it's quite long for and a Star it, it Wars does, book, and it feels that length too. Mm-hmm. Um, Star by Star is like one of the few longer right? than it, and it's 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 a thick boy. I'm just looking at it right now. Yeah, real real thick. Um, like don't let Corin check it out. Uh, for, I'm trying to figure out where I want to put it. Like. 
I think I might put it probably below MedStar as well, actually. I think I'm... Mm, actually, I'm going to put it, I think, above MedStar and below Rogue Squadron. Yeah. I, I'm um, kind of thinking that, too, but I just... I like... I'm, I feel like I'm retroactively downplaying how much I like the yeah, first. Yeah, that's, that's the exact same thing with me. And, like, I feel like if I were to re... Like, just looking at my list now, I almost want to switch MedStar and Rogue Squadron, but, like... I think I might put iJedi above MedStar, actually. All right. I think that's going to be my... Above MedStar, but I think below Rogue Squadron. Um, yeah. Oops. All right. Yeah, I, I think... I'm going to have to think about it, because I might end up putting it above Rogue Squadron. Um, but those books are really fun, and, like, they kind of have, like, a a looseness that like this book doesn't have um but yeah so th guys for those wondering because i'm seeing some questions these are our, our rankings right now these are all the books we've read so if you're not seeing like seeing people wondering like where's black fleet crisis just we haven't read it yet um yeah these are just the books that we've covered on the podcast so far our rankings of them yeah great book though i thought it was really fun uh Corin's a fun character michael stackpole writes a good star war <laughs> Um, despite some of the there's some weirdness in there but it's like you read it and you're like okay <laughs> it's fun weirdness I guess yeah. um, alright yeah. uh, so we did get a bunch of emails this week we kind of addressed some of the start like with the the email from uh, from Austin I believe that one was I'm just going to scroll up so I can see it again yeah from Austin's email talking about uh, Clone Wars questions we will get to that with our Clone Wars episode which we're going to do next Thursday uh, mm -hmm. tentatively in case something else comes up there. Yes. Uh, same thing with the KOTOR question from Benjamin. Uh, Justin Taylor wrote in once again with a uh, few questions for us. So if you want to take that one. Um, so he points out correctly that Akbar was staying with um, Winter. Um, probably an open relationship, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, it points out that the uh, New Republic is not always the most competent of factions. And also wondering, what is R2's kill count by the end of Legacy Comics? Everyone. It's got to be, yeah, everyone. Like If, if it was like the how... X-Wings where you like you have the little pips drawn on, like the Death Star pip and everything drawn or painted on, uh, Wedge's X-Wing. R2 would just be littered in tattoos. <laughs> Yeah, like R two, R two is like, like coldly and dangerously competent. Yeah, like it's the only way. Um, he does. Does it feel manipulative when he's talking to Corn about being a Jedi? I think we mentioned that too. At the beginning, it definitely does. Like he's because Corn's already like at the beginning of or at the end of. I think it's Wedge's gamble. He meets Luke, um, and he kind of turns down the opportunity then. Mm -hmm. Or not Wedge's Gamble, because he's presumed dead at the end of Wedge's Gamble. So, at some point, anyway. Um, I think the kind of the most relevant one here, like the most... Uh, the Grey Jedi. Yeah, because we, we didn't really touch on yeah. that that much. I think we kind of touched on a That's lot true. of these other points uh, mm -hmm. with... 
just our discussion throughout the episode. But do you have any thoughts? Uh, so basically, Justin's asking, uh, what are your opinions on the various great Jedi force group or great force groups that exist and on the Jensari? What's your opinion on the green Jedi? In my opinion, having their own group of Jedi while fitting in perfectly with Corellia seems like something the Order at large wouldn't really tolerate. Yeah, so in Legends, there are a lot of these, like, like Jedi offshoots. Like, the Ang-T are, are, like, on the lower level of what would be considered a Jedi offshoot. Or, like, the Baron Doe, for example. Mm-hmm. Because they are kind of, like, light side traditions, but not quite Jedi. Um, and then, like, it, like... It's kind of funny, because Kornhorn in this is basically, like, a Falanasi. Um... Because he's using, like, illusions. So I, I do kind of like that there are these other groups that have kind of sprung up. Um, I don't think that you should try to, like... Like, I don't think that Jensari should be called Jedi. Because I, I don't think... I don't like the idea of Grey Jedi, generally. Um, so, like, I think if they're going to exist, they should just be called other, like, Force traditions. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Um, but, like, I, I, I kind of liked how Legends had all of these little sects and stuff... But it, it does get kind of weird how many of them survived Order 66. Like, the uh, the Falanasi largely survive Order 66. The Baron Doe do as well. But, I mean, to be fair, they kind of hide on purpose to survive. Yeah, no um, one's going to fuck with makes... either. Yeah. But it does kind of make the galaxy be a bit crowded, in, like, in a way. Especially when, like, the Jedi religions are supposed to have died out. Mm-hmm. So it takes away from it a bit in that sense. But otherwise, I kind of like them. What, what, what are your thoughts, though? Yeah, I mostly agree there. Uh, like, the weirdest one for me has always kind of been the Jensari, because, like, they are more of a splinter from the Jedi than the other ones, because uh, mm-hmm. they were kind of broken off from the Jedi directly to some extent, mm-hmm. and they grow to the prominence they do still under the Empire. So, mm-hmm. and there's at least a dozen in this book, if not more, in the galaxy and yeah. like they're outnumbering mm-hmm. the Jedi almost for you don't really Luke's... see them afterwards yeah. either. Well, a lot of them actually like, do go and join Luke's academy, but do we get any of them by name though? I don't like, think so. Yeah, like like the Jensari leader, like she's pretty powerful it seems. Although like when it comes to the actual battle, like Luke easily like defeats them mm-hmm. because they they are like they are force tradition but they're not nearly as uh, practiced. Mhm. As like Luke, and he, he like it's just like describes Luke like tearing through five of them no problem, uh, and even Corrin is like a decent match for like, and he's a new Jedi, he's a decent match for the Gensari leader, um, but the Green Jedi that's so that, that's a name for Corellian Jedi yeah. I think, um, uh, doesn't really mesh with what we got later on, but I kind of thought it was an interesting, mm-hmm. um, like I don't like the idea of Jedi being like sexless hermits. Or the hermit part is fine, but I guess, like, I just, I always thought that, I mean, that's kind of the point is, I think the Jedi rules are supposed to have been, by the time of, like, the prequels, the Jedi rules are supposed to have gotten a little out of control and too doctrinal and stuff. So it doesn't fit within that, because the Jedi, in Legends, I guess, before the prequels, I guess they didn't have the idea that the Order would be so kind of, not corrupt, but so kind of weighed down by rules and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um them so it's, it's, it's kind of hard to reconcile because it's just so different yeah uh then we got tyler johnson saying hey man i'm a huge fan of the podcast and y'all's youtube channels uh i always look forward to seeing new videos and podcast episodes that never a dull or uninteresting episode or video 
I'm a dude in school with limited time and limited money, so in your opinion, is the Rise of Skywalker novelization worth spending my time and money on? I enjoyed the Rise of Skywalker no. movie, and there were things in the movie I wanted more expansion on. So does the novelization add anything that is uh. actually worth in going and reading? Honestly, if you have limited money, I don't think the novelization adds enough to be worth it. Um, no. I, I, I would probably go for something else. I mean, I think, like, if you really want value out of a movie novelization, I would get the episode 3 one, for example. Um, but just generally, I think there's there's more you can do. Even, like, the... Uh, oh, what's that book that came before it called again? The Visual um, Dictionary? No, the uh, it was it was one of the before the rise of Skywalker books. Um, what was it called again? Um, I'm not forgetting the name of it. It was basically about them getting fleets together and stuff. Uh, chat, can you help me out here? What is it called again? Um, oh, Resistance Reborn. I would probably get that maybe instead. Hmm. Um, but yeah, otherwise there's lot there's lots of other other books that you can get. Honestly, if, if you need a book, I would get Lost Stars if you yeah. want to do new canon, um, or Thrawn one. But yeah, yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't read it, so I have nothing really to add there. We'll probably mm-hmm. get to it at some point in the podcast. I've just been yep. spending so long trying to catch up on some legend stuff that it's. Like I've got a, yeah, it's a very low pile of uh, new canon stuff that I haven't gotten to yet, but mm-hmm. I hopefully we'll soon. Another good option is to get, honestly, like, if you can afford it, like, an Audible membership is good. Uh, like, it works out if you only get one book a month, it works out to be cheaper. Um, and all of the audio productions are really well done. So, like, that's something that I would recommend. Um, and, you, and you can get The Rise of Skywalker on there if you want. Uh, I think, so the next question is from Ian. And he just says, it's very disappointed with Alphabet Squadron. Uh, yeah, it wasn't that great, in my opinion. Yurika is a wor- worst version of Gara Pedithal. Yeah, I can see that. Um, do you think Kevin J. Anderson had more influence than the quality of his work deserved over the Bantam era? And while he definitely shaped the Bantam era hugely, do you think his stuff holds up to in quality or in terms of really recommendable books? Uh, I mean, I think it... Besides for the Thrawn trilogy, I think it's pretty standard with what you'd expect in the era. But he, I mean, the influence he has is huge because he he basically sets up the entirety of Luke's future with the Jedi Praxium. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the biggest thing that Kevin J. Anderson does that's really important, even mm-hmm. outside of the quality of, like, no matter what your opinion of the quality of his work is, positive or negative, mm-hmm. is that he was willing to kind of bring together certain elements of the universe that others didn't. Definitely. Uh, and he kind of opened the door for others to do that. So I think uh, a lot of what he was doing was very necessary for that if we wanted to, the continuity yeah. to go the way it did. Because it could have just as easily been a situation, I spoke about this on a few other previous episodes, where yeah. Dark Empire kept on going and being its own thing. Uh, the mm-hmm. Bantam books kept going, being their One-off own thing. one books every time. Yeah. And like, if... If, for example, let's say all the books were written by Timothy Zahn, as much as I love Timothy Zahn's work, he is one of the less interconnected of the authors. Uh, mm-hmm. And eventually he does try to tie everything more together with, like, Outbound Flight and the plans for the Yuzan Vong and Survivor's Well, Quest, mostly but, his stuff. Yeah. Together. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But, like, he is less engaged with the rest of the universe. And he very much, like, he outright uh, refused to have the Thrawn trilogy be... 
incorporating stuff from Dark Empire, which is why it ended up being set before Dark Empire instead of after. Uh, whereas Kevin J. Anderson, he was willing to be like, okay, this character from over here, this character from over here, uh, and mm-hmm. was also fine with other authors doing that with his stuff. And kind of sets the tone for that being the thing to do, leading to us getting an expanded universe continuity that was anywhere near as consistent as it was, uh, which there's a lot of problems there still, but instead of, like, it's not just Marvel's its own thing, Dark Empire, whatever. It's at least one universe. Yeah, and I mean, he was also writing stuff, like, when a lot of new books were coming out, so that was important. Yeah. Um, there's, like, six months where 18 books come out, and there's no way all the authors are going to be able to con- uh, coordinate on that uh, until you get to how Del Rey did it, where it was, like, where they hired James Lucino to basically tell everyone, okay, this is what you are and aren't allowed to do. Go write your part of the story. Yeah. Good question, though. Uh, the last one is from Bright Spark, who correctly points out that a good idea for a shirt or a poster would be a Corin Love tier list. So, so I responded to this email saying that that would just be a picture of a Salonian, basically. So, <laughs> yeah, we got to go through, and because there's a lot, there's like we can add three new ones from this book. Um, I don't. I still don't. Merrick's not at the top. <laughs> Uh, do you see any questions in chat that you wanted to... Uh, uh, I don't think there were really uh, any specifically about uh, iJedi or general stuff there. People asking what's going on. but So I guess we will end this episode for today. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this reading and discussion of iJedi. I hope some of you guys are reading along with us um, every couple of weeks. I know especially for books like this, it is a lot of, it's a time commitment, especially a little bit easier where I know a lot of people have some extra time with uh, COVID and whatnot, but like this book takes a while to put down or put, put, put away. Um, so thanks everyone who's reading. Thanks to all the emails. Again, you guys can email us future questions at tapcaf transmissions. That's T A P C A F transmissions at gmail.com. Um, and as I said, next time we are covering uh, Han Solo at Star's End. But before that, we will probably have a discussion of uh, the final season of The Clone Wars, which ends on the 4th. Yeah, so that'll be next Thursday where we're talking about the final season of The Clone Wars. Uh, and hopefully, we might not jump immediately into doing like the, the weekly multi-content discussion kind of thing yet, mm-hmm. but we'll definitely have that, uh, that Clone Wars discussion coming up, and we'll have the Han Solo adventures uh, mm-hmm after that uh, and those we'll yep. probably be doing every week so we'll uh justin and i will figure out exactly what the shape of the content is going to be uh the other thing i do want to say is that we are going to try to be much better at uploading the podcast audio versions because we have been horrible at that both of us yes. uh usually it's ended up being a week delayed which Yikes. is entirely our fault and we will we will be better but yeah mm-hmm all right guys well that's all from me and all from Corey. we will probably be streaming after this um uh, over on my channel over on probably not this channel that we're on now maybe on Corey's channel or on x2 uh the channel we all kind of run together so if you guys want to check that out feel free uh podcast is available on spotify itunes and probably other places links to that down in the description but thanks for watching guys uh cory anything you want to end off with before we Say goodbye. No.